Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. We're going to continue talking about Summer in the Psalms. We're going to wrap it up today. We're going to land that plain crystal. You can keep enjoying that bagel. But what, I, what I'm really excited about is about where maybe the Lord's also brought us from, what we've discussed and talked about, but where we're headed. And where we're headed today is, I think it's, I think it's going to connect, but let me, let me connect a few things. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because honestly, you can go on the website, thanks to Bruce, you can listen to the podcast, whatever uh, podcast format you have, whether it's Android or if you really still think Apple is good, uh, you can listen to it on there too. Amen. I've been there, done that. Apple wouldn't sell me a t-shirt. They're too expensive. But, but what I want to encourage us to do is if you missed the first week where we talked about Psalm 23 and we looked at God's goodness as our shepherd and as our host, go on the, go on the podcast. Listen to that. Catch up with where, we're, where we've been. And then if you missed the, the second week where we talked about from the Psalm, Psalm 27, this one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, where I believe David had been marked on the hillside as a young man, where he had encountered the Lord. He knew God. How many of you realize that's all that we're all looking for is to know God, but we don't, we look for it in so many different ways. But David, when he discovered that, it marked his life for the trajectory that it would head on even to a kingship in a palace. And so I'm excited today that we're going to build on that. And, and then last week was interesting. I know we had some first-time guests, and um, I typically don't have Adultery Sunday for our first-time guests, but we did go to Psalm 51, which I think it's really, really important that in church today we know how to not only uh, follow well, but lead well. And lead well also means, hey, I don't get everything perfect or right, but watch how quickly I am to admit when I'm wrong. Watch, when I tell my kids, follow me, it means you're also going to learn how to ask for forgiveness. You're also going to learn what repentance looks like. And we looked at last week, David, David, a man after God's own heart. How in the world could a man after God's own heart, which Acts tells us right here, it says in verse 22 in Acts, uh, I believe it was 11, I can't remember, it's not up there, but it says that after, after removing Saul, he made David their king, and God testified concerning him. Man, this is... This is a man after my own heart. But we know the rest of the story. We know a lot of the things that played out for David were not things that I would put on that list of after God's own heart. But part of being a good leader is it is still still based off of what happened on that hillside. That first knowing of the Lord. I think it was through that lens, through that filter, that even David have a, had a heart that could repent well. He said, don't cast me from your presence. That was last week what we looked at. In Psalm 51. So if you missed it, thank you, Bruce. He gets those things up there and keeps them updated. And, um, and I'm excited today. We're going to segue from Psalm 51 and we're going to head into a new Psalm today, which is going to be Psalm 100. But before we get there, I have to tell you what made the Psalms really popular for me as a kid. I don't know if you recognize this guy. He, uh, he would travel around to different churches and people would put on a costume that looked like him. Does anybody remember his name? Yeah, what do you, don't get salty in here on me. No, that's not what I'm talking about. No, salty was his name, spelled like the Psalms, right? P-S-A-L-T-Y, salty, the singing songbook, right? Wow, this would not work today, Rick. <laughs> this is like, he's super creepy. If you've not seen a video of him, watch this briefly, because this is going to be our VBS starting next year, right? No, definitely not. 
Can you imagine, right? How creepy does that guy look? It's like going to Disney with Salty in 1980. <laughs> all right, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to end that there, lest you leave, all right? That is what made the Psalms popular for me, Tito. That's what did it right there, Salty, right? And um, today, I think we've got to take it a little bit further than Salty. We've got to go just a little bit deeper. But I think today, uh, as we have some fun, we're going to dive back into one of the Psalms that I think just categorizes, hey, I think of today, uh, why I have things to be thankful for. Today specifically because it's the day that my daughter was born, my firstborn child. Uh, and so Eliana turns two digits today. She turns 10, which my wife's just been weeping inside. Um, she's like, I'm too young to have a teenager, 10-year-old. I almost said teenager. She's not, she thinks she's there. But, um, but I think about why we named our daughter what we did. If you know me even just a little bit, you know words mean a ton to me. Etymology is huge. And so Eliana literally means God has heard or God has answered. And for us, it was such an answer to prayer with, you know, with what a lot of folks experience, difficulty. We experience some difficulty and miscarriage, and I don't make light of that. I understand that that is what a lot of folks like we did go through. Um, but God still answered, and God continues to answer. And I could pick up another child who we did not give birth to. That God continues to allow us to have impact and influence and to make disciples in our home, to be fruitful and multiply in ways that maybe weren't God's plan A, but I sure believe is a real strong plan B for our lives and for theirs. And so we have an opportunity to continue to be thankful and to live our lives in reflection of thanksgiving. So I'm thankful for how God has allowed us to be fruitful and multiply in, in whatever that looks like. So today, would you journey with me? If you've got a paper Bible because you really love Jesus, we'll turn to Psalm 100. And uh, mine's actually a facade. I'm not going to preach from it. It's, it's open there, but I've got it all printed out as well. But uh, I just I just ruined the whole moment of having a paper Bible. But for us, let's travel to Psalm 100. And it's a psalm of thanksgiving. And before we dive right into it, I want to give a, just a tiny bit of background. Not much, just like two or three sentences. Because this psalm is really kind of wrapping up the few psalms that it is, that it is centered around. Psalm 96 through 99, roughly. Those psalms are talking about Yahweh's kingship. God's kingdom. And here, this psalm is really acting as kind of more of a, a hymnic conclusion to all that. Here's the song we're going to sing to really cap off the recognition of, of God as king. And so we get into this song, this, this psalm, uh, and it's one about, about thanksgiving. So let's read it together. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And I heard some of you guys singing this morning, and it was just that. It was a joyful noise. I don't know if it was on tune or pitch or what that was, but, but for me, it's the same way, Harry. It's a joyful noise. But I believe so much of what we have going on today, we're hidden behind these. We think that, that we, are, we are connected because of social media, but it's probably the opposite of that. Instead, we're hiding behind something. And, and what is the result of all this isolation that we see in our culture and all of this, this comparison and the things that have just been the fallout of that is, is really everything but joyfulness, gladness. You know, depression seems to be the common cold today for any disorder that, that people are dealing with uh, mentally. 
And it's so common now. And we're seeing it everywhere, Susan. I'm sure you're seeing it in your practice, working on the medical side. And I'm seeing it in, in, you know, in ministry side. And man, we're all struggling because of how busy our lives are. And here's what we've decided to lock in on and compare and just, man, anything but really focused on having true gladness or joy. And so this is like a fresh breath of air today to decide that I'm going to make a joyful noise to the Lord. I don't know about you. We're all making a noise. We're all making noise about something. We're all being loud. We're all drawing attention. We're all doing something with our time, with our energy, with our mouth, with our words. It might as well be about something that matters. I don't know about you, but I want what I'm making noise about to really matter. And so when I read this, I'm like, let's make a joyful noise to the Lord again, all the earth. And we're talking about Thanksgiving. And in verse 2, He goes into, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. We'll just continue reading through. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Man, we see this so many times. We started there from John 10 with the voice, uh, and now we went there again at the beginning of our psalm series with the Lord is my shepherd. It's because God cares for us, and he wants us to be his. In verse 4, he continues. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. How many of you guys have heard this verse before, right? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with with praise. And we're going to land there for a little while. But verse 5, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And so I see the command here in Psalm 100 is he's telling us to make the decision of what we're going to bring to him. What are we going to bring to him with our lives? Because you and I both get that this is only a piece of worship. This is only a part of what we do collectively together in song form. Our life is worship. What we choose to let the noise of our life be is the worship that we are giving him. And we can choose that if we're going to select that it is a joyful noise or if it is one that is focused on all the, oh, but, but what if this had happened instead? Oh, I can't believe. We have the opportunity to choose to choose that we're going to be joyful, to choose that we're going to, as verse 2 said, let me get back there real quick. It said, serve the Lord with gladness. You ever been around someone that, boy, you didn't know what they had, but you sure didn't want it? (laughs) You're like, you know, and I I remember Pastor James used to joke around. He's like, some of you say you got the joy of the Lord, but you really need to tell your face, you know? And it's those types of people, right? I mean, they're giving Jesus a bad name. You're giving Jesus a bad name. Yeah, that was my attempt at that. Anyways, so so many, I think so many people, they're not rejecting Christ, but they're rejecting Christians. And that's what we heard this week even uh, at this conference. So many people, man, they want hope. They want to know God. They want to find freedom in their lives. They want to discover their purpose and they want to be used by God. They want that. They just don't see anyone doing it. And the, and the people that are claiming that they have it, they're like, I'm not so sure that's what I want. I'm not so sure that's what I would sign up for because we've, we've given Jesus a bad name. We've not served the Lord with gladness. We've not put him on display to make anyone jealous for what we have. And I think about what Paul writes. This is not my notes, but I think about what Paul writes to the Romans that literally what, what the God had given the Israelites was intended to make the nations jealous. 
is he's talking about the grafting in of the Gentiles. He says, man, what you have originally was intended to make the nations jealous for what you had. But now that role has been reversed by the grafting in of the Gentiles. And we see that the Jews now will be jealous for what they never could understand the fulfillment of, that you will put it on display. This is the mystery he would write. The mystery, the hope of glory in you, Gentiles. He's writing that to Gentiles in Colossians. He's saying, this is the the mystery of the hope of glory, that God can do it for those that were far off, those that were never a part of his promises to begin with. Let me tell you, when we begin to see the mystery of God in this house, it's going to be the people that smell different, look different, taste it, whatever it is. They're going to be so different. It's the people that are far off. That's the reason we exist. That's the reason that God has given his promises so that they may be on display. Now watch how he will confound the wise, those who think they have it figured out by bringing in the foolish things of this world. Those that did not know or understand, now they're going to walk in his fullness. They're going to know God. They're going to find his freedom. They're going to discover their purpose. Rick, that's what, that's what we've been talking about and finally have some better language for And we believe that this is all part of God's plan. And we see it here in the Psalms that, man, if we will put him on display, if we will live this life of thanksgiving, what will begin to happen not only in our lives, but those around us? But those around us. And as I I look at this Psalm, I'm going to give you a brief breakdown of how you guys know poetry is typically written in some structure. And this has kind of a chiasm, so to speak. It's kind of, it crosses and comes back to the beginning. So the first two verses are this call to give thanks. And and I apologize that the language is a little heavy there, but it's a celebration of the covenant. So I just mean promises, God's promises. And God never promises anything other than what is based in his nature and identity. So he promises based on who he is. And so we understand that this is a call to give thanks and a celebration of his promises, which really are wrapped up in who he is, his identity. Isn't that powerful? And so then there's this call again, and it goes a little bit deeper. I feel like kind of the psalmist takes a little bit deeper dive into that layer of a call to thanksgiving. And that's where we're going to land for a little bit longer in verse four and kind of unpack that. And then again, a celebration of the covenant. So in this short psalm, Man, I feel like it's just telling us to to make some noise for the Lord, to come into his presence with celebration. But then you don't just go out and, and, and just kind of put on something that looks nothing like our Jesus. No, we live this out. It's not just something that stays in this house. It's something that infiltrates the world. How many of you, you've ever been around people that it was just never enough? Like, I'll be honest, when I go out to eat with some some my siblings, I'll just be up my family. I know which ones are going to complain when we go to this restaurant because it happens every time, Rick. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord, I don't want to go with them. Oh, man. I remember last time we were here. It never came out fast enough. Their water was never refilled enough. The food wasn't hot enough. The portions weren't what they'd expect. It was never enough, Susan. It was never enough. You ever been around someone where it's never enough? Oh, that, that was just the case and go. But what about, I mean, with your kids, right? They're never quiet enough. They're never clean enough, never smart. I mean, all those are true, but still, it's just never enough, right? It's just never enough. And so you could be so focused on what is never enough. I mean, your bank account. I mean, we all know that's never enough, right? Our bank account's never enough. We could say, <laughs> I'm hearing lots of amens. We're going to take up another offering because I believe if you give a seed today, <laughs> wow, we love manipulation in this house. We believe God's honored by that. Tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek. But I believe that 
when we're focused on never enough, we'll never experience this fullness. Because how many of you know we get what we're looking for? We find what we're seeking. And if we're looking for that, we'll continue to find it. It will never be enough. My house will never be clean enough. I'll have too many. I will continue to have too many kids. (laughs) Also true. (laughs) We will never have enough rooms in our house. We looked at another house yesterday trying to find more rooms. And we're like, this has more rooms, but it doesn't have more room. You know what I mean? So you can find something that looks like it's enough. And you're like, it's actually the same. (laughs) Told me it was more. It's actually this might be less. Might actually be less. There's not even a shower down here. What are those kids going to do? Send them outside. Do what all the other kids do. Hope it rains. <laughs> but in God's family, we have the opportunity to focus on something different. And this is what the hope of the world is. Christ in us. Remember that mystery? We have the opportunity to display something that they can't. To give them a taste of something that they've never tasted. Everybody's focused on not enough. Nobody's got enough joy or gladness. As a result of it, everybody sees the comparison game that, that we're, our culture is running rampant with. But what if, what if we put him on display in a different way? Man, what if our noise mattered? And we're all making that noise, but what if we made it matter? What if we decided that the, the chatter in the air that exuded from our life was going to point to someone that we are so thankful for? that we have found satisfaction in, that the holes in our life that we all experience, we have found them filled. Oh man, he's putting me back together. I didn't say I've got it together. He's putting me back together. What if we brought that out into the world? What if we offered that hope because of our focus, our perspective? We have that choice to know God, that he created us. We are his. We are his people. And that's what he talks about here. That's what he talks about here. And I love that. In that verse, he says that, What was it? Know that the Lord, he is God. Know that the Lord, he is God. This reminds me of, I go back to Moses. God reveals himself. I am. I am everything you need in every situation. Who is sending you? Who is this that that I'm encountering? I am. And then I think of Elijah right there with, uh, you know, with the fire falling and the, and the, the water being uh, lapped up by the fire. And all of a sudden, those that did not know God, all the frost prophets, we talked about this maybe a couple months ago. What was their response? Yahweh, he is God because he put him on display. He didn't have to give a sermon or tell them what to say in response. That was their natural response. Those that were far from God, as a matter of fact, they were the pastors and preachers of the satanic church, basically, the idol worshipers. And yet all of a sudden, somebody decided to be bold enough to put the answer to all the questions they had on display. And they said, we've not seen this one. Yahweh, he is God. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. Know that the Lord, he is God. Let your noise matter. Let it point to the one who is truly God. Let others see it. In community, it is he who made us. He made you as an individual, but collectively, and we are his. We are his. We are his people. And I find such comfort in this, TC, because as you transplant from here to Houston or those that have moved here from another city, state, or country, we find that We are his people, and his people are a whole lot bigger than a location. When you know your family is all spread out right now, from New England to Colorado, and that's just my immediate family, and yours is too, but then we find, 
But the people of God, the ones that I have been born into again, those are the ones that I will spend eternity with. Hopefully it's our biological family too. I know some of you are like, eh, you don't know my biological family. I don't really want to spend it. I barely want to spend Christmas with them. Certainly don't want to spend eternity. God's going to redeem us. <laughs> he makes all things new. The beauty of it is that he's collecting us together, that we are his people. You can't, you can't escape it. Wherever you go, there you are and there his family is. You could be in a country, I believe it, that has no named Christians, but I guarantee you there are people that are responding to the light that he is revealing to them. And he will show you those people, I believe even in the most underground of countries. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So let's land in verse 4 for a little bit. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So I see God here for a moment, and, and uh, I heard a little bit about this while we were at camp, but I already had this psalm picked out, so I was so excited. I've heard this like three or four times since I had really selected it for today. And as they were talking about this, they were talking about, you know, God has asked that we bring him something. And he's asked that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. In June, I went to a wedding. How many of you have been to a wedding lately? Uh, they're crazy, Maurice, aren't they? They're like, wow, you get... How much, how much coin did they drop on this day? And hey, I love a good wedding. I'm, I'm with I, all to you, especially millennials, that you've got these dreams of the $10,000 plus. But Candy and I, we didn't have that kind of bank account when we got married. So um, thankfully, my parents did give us $2,000, and we used every penny of it and had to add a little bit. We added some to it, but it wasn't much more than that. But you go to these weddings today, and they've got, oh my goodness, it's catered. There's a band. There's a photographer for before and one for after, a videographer for during. I mean, they're, I mean it's, it's everywhere, right? And, and then you get to, wow, look at that, a coffee bar. A donut wall? They thought of it all. They got it. Now, that donut wall was good. Like, I have to admit, the donut walls, that was on point. And the coffee bar, woo, man, that was the wedding I went to in June. But you get there and you're like, man. And I forgot to RSVP for this wedding. <laughs> and so the guy texted me, the groom, right? I'm good friends with him. He works with me at Kitco. One of the best guys, Kevin Tucker. Oh, pure hearted, loves the Lord. Man, he found a great wife and, and his wife likewise found a great husband. But I forgot, to, I forgot to RSVP. I got the thing, saved the date, and I saved it on the fridge, but I didn't look at it again. I was going. I put it in my calendar. just forgot to tell anybody. So he's like, hey, you coming? Of course, man. wouldn't miss it. Did I, forget, did I miss a date? I forgot. to. So I RSVP'd, and then I had to quickly refer to that, that save the date. And I was like, oh, gosh, where are they registered? Right? Because everybody's registered somewhere. And, and now you can register when you have babies. You can register like uh, I'm having a colonoscopy. Uh, you know, I mean, it's everything. You can register for everything, Rick. <laughs> Here's my meal plan when I get done. I'm registered at these places. You can bring me something. So Jello, and, and so you can register for weddings. And, and usually it's the staple places, right? It's Bed Bath, Target, if you're bougie, or Walmart if you're not. And so you, you know, you've got these registry, and you get to take that gun and you just scan stuff, and you think you'll use it, right? But you and I both know they won't. That bread maker is going to collect so much dust. You're going to trip over it six years after being married, and you're going to be like, we have a bread maker. And you're going to decide to get it out. And you've been burning toast for years, right? And you're going to be able to make bread now. All right? And so the, the registry, it's full of things that you and I both know they're never going to use. Half of it, okay, yeah, maybe, you know. The stimulus classes for my milk in the morning. You know, th that's the target registry. And so, you, but the, but the end of the day, just get them what they ask for. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter if they're going to use it or not. Get, get them what they asked for because that's what they wanted. And for Kevin, I actually got him something that was on his registry, even though it was late in the game, it was still on there. And it was exactly what someone gave us that I was surprised how much I used. And it was the Black & Decker Target, you know, you know, kit of all the levelers and stud finders and beep, 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 went across me. And anyways, I hope you got that one. And, and the drill driver I used the most because its battery was actually better than my, my, my tools from Home Depot. I was so surprised. Black & Decker, really? But the battery was so much better. And so I thought, dude, I'm getting that for Kevin. He'll use it. He's the man of the house, right? He'll, it's, pro- it's probably actually for her. She registered for it. I don't know. This is 2019. Everything's changed. And so, and so I got that for him. I was so excited. I was like, man, Candy, you remember that? Jack Nelson, I remember who got me mine. That's how much I used it. I was like, Jack, I've told you three times how much I love that Black & Decker kit. And uh, so I got it for Kevin. And I haven't heard a thing about him using it, so who knows? So maybe, maybe Caitlin, who I'm not friends with, maybe she is the one using it. But at the end of the day, what, what do we want to bring them? Just bring them what they ask for. You've all gotten the gifts. Your kids have gotten them. You're like, are you serious? <laughs> we sent you a bunch of things they wanted. <laughs> and you got something that was on sale on the clearance, right? That's fine. I get it. I do that too for birthday parties for my kids. But, but we, try, <laughs> we try, to, try to give them what they want. But this is, this is God in verse 4 telling us what to bring him. Inner His gates with what? Thanksgiving. Why? Is it going to change anything about him? Is me being thankful and acknowledging what you have done, God, going to change one iota about who you are? Are you insecure? Is that why? Not at all. In fact, God, I don't believe is up there. It's like, oh, I wish Meshach would just be a little more thankful. If he would just recognize I did that for him. What a son of a gun. I wish he would just at least be, man, he's not sweating it. He's not, he's not looking at how many likes you put on what he gave you, okay? He is not, he's not insecure about it. He's not comparing it to who you were thankful to. He is acknowledging that if you will bring me what I've asked for, it's not about me. It's going to revolutionize your life. Because you're going to begin to focus on things that I am doing. And you're going to begin to see all that I'm already involved in in your world. What I'm asking you to bring isn't for me. It's for you. Who registers for that? God does. And he says, bring to me thanksgiving. Acknowledge what I have done. This is what I love. To me, this is what we thank him for. We thank him for what he has done but we praise him for who he is. God, I'm going to acknowledge, I am so thankful, God, for the, for the people you've put in my life that have brought me to where I am today. And I acknowledge that it started way before I was born. It goes back, I look at, Lord, how you were involved in my mom's life, that when we were in Nashville, it was when she was searching for you, God. She was in community college because she had gotten kicked out of Lipscomb, but that's where you needed her because she was still looking for truth. And you sent that biology teacher, that African-American who was a spirit-filled Catholic, to show her Jesus and tell her that he had a plan for her every time she walked in his class. And because of Dr. Millette, I'm a result of those seeds. I am living in the wake of all the thank yous that I can give, even before I was born, God, that they would get plugged into the Lord's chapel, that they would learn what discipleship and good community looked like, that they would know what really worshiping and knowing God was like. Because of that, it's in my spiritual DNA. I'm so thankful, God, that you would send them to these places. Even before I was conceived, you knew that this was going to be a part of who I am. 
And God, I'm even thankful that, man, my parents didn't have it all figured out. And they did, they, they, they were born in the, the era of questioning government and questioning Christianity, questioning things. And man, it, God, it's a, it's a little bit in me. I got to be careful. You're redeeming those things. But God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that even in the things that maybe could have fallout and negative ramifications, you're redeeming even the bad. And you're making all things new. God, I'm thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. And sometimes we, we just don't reflect and we don't look at where he's been involved. And God, today, I'm thankful for the challenges we faced because, Lord, it meant so much that when the promise came through and then there were still complications and we believe that even after child two biologically, man, we, I don't think we're supposed to do that any, any longer. And, but God, well, you weren't done with us. And we thank you for the process. And there's so many things we can be thankful for. And Rick asked me a question when I'm oh, just thinking along those lines. He asked, he said, Michael, do you feel different about Levi, your adopted son, than you do your biologicals? And, and I think it was a good question, but I think the surprise is, is that, yeah, we do, but it's not the way you would think about it. He's like, well, don't you feel like you've rescued him sometimes? And I'm like, that's probably the furthest thing from my mind. Because, God, I'm so thankful that you bring, you bring things into my life, not because I'm a superhero, but because you know it's going to change my heart. God, you've, you've used Levi to, to soften me. You've used him to, to really cause me to open up in ways that I probably never would have opened up before. That was a jerk and just really closed off to certain things. But God, you used some real challenges, even some hardships that my mom would go through and being diagnosed with cancer twice and a stroke. God, you've used those things to transform me. You've used the bad as well as the good, God. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, Lord, you've journeyed with me. You've never left me. How many of you know a lot of times when we think of Thanksgiving, it's only about the good stuff? We think, man, it's got to be something that we're thankful for, right? Give me something you're thankful for. Man, I had a flat tire on the way to church, and then my transmission started slipping, and God, I just want to thank God for that. <laughs> Who is raising their hand in the small group to share that one, Rick? Nobody. We think that when we're talking about Thanksgiving, it's got to be something uber positive. It's got to be something, oh yeah, I hope that happens to me. <laughs> when half the time, you know what God is forming in us when it's his nature? It's through the difficult moments. Amen. God, I'm thankful for those two. I'm thankful that, man, Romans 8, 28, my life first, that I, if I get it tattooed somewhere, probably across my tramp stamp back here, back in the back. <laughs> If I get Romans 8.28 back there, and I'm swimming, and I've been down to get my towel, and you see it, and you work all things out, God, for the good, including that. <laughs> you work, I can't even make it a serious moment anymore, so it's over. <laughs> but that's it. You make all things work to the good of those who love you, who have found you, God. You make all things new. You're in the business of redeeming. God, I thank you. I thank you that it's not going to be based on how good I can do at fixing my own problems. How many know we already messed it up good enough, right? We don't need to add to it. <laughs> I got an almond over there. An almond. <laughs> we thank him for what he has done, even when we don't recognize that he's always in it. But then we praise him for who he is. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is what I love. There are consequences for what David did. Last week, we looked at Psalm 51. There were consequences. He lost the, the, the son that was conceived in sin. There are consequences when we bite of that apple and we learn of good and evil and we even welcome that into our life. There are consequences. But they're not greater than his faithfulness. 
And this is what I love about when he reveals himself to Moses. He says, he passes by in Exodus 33. He declares, the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, full of love and mercy, right? Who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. We may see the effects of our sin for two or three, but his covenant is way better. His promises, man, they've got nothing on our mistakes. Matter of fact, they can wipe the slate clean. They have the ability to end what we consider a curse that no longer needs to be passed on. This is the blood of Jesus. This is the power of our God that he can put an end to what we inherited. He can redeem in our own lives. We don't have to pass on our own struggles. If we slayed a physical giant like David did, but failed to acknowledge the things in his heart and commit those sins, we can say, God, forgive me and have mercy on the generations to follow me. Lord, would you please, because I believe the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You don't have to reap what your dad has sown. You can be who you decide to be, Branson, in God. You make the mark in the sand for yourself, and I'll stand with you to hold that big old fat stick in Jesus. Amen? It doesn't matter what's happened before us. I don't believe Levi's parents are predicting his future. I believe God is. I don't believe it's for your boys. And I don't believe that even my mistakes are that great in comparison to his glory. Man, my God's way bigger. We trump up our failures and give them way more credibility than they're due in comparison to his faithfulness and love. Amen? Amen. So let's stand and acknowledge, not physically right now yet, let's stand in our spirits and acknowledge that he is good, God. We've got so much to be thankful for, the good and the bad alike. And today, Lord, we realize that's what you've done, and I'm going to praise you for who you are. Would you bring him what he's asked for? Would you bring him today what he has asked for? This is all he's asked for. It's all he's registered for. It's all he wants is for us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I believe I lost my piano player. Zay, would you come up and play something really sexy up here? Excuse me? <laughs> Makes all my words sound so much better. I could talk about Chuck E. Cheese and it would sound good. But go ahead. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Go ahead and play. I believe that um, the Lord's shifting some perspective for us, for me. I see it happening in my own life. And I believe that we have to acknowledge what he's done in the tough and the good times alike. And I believe, though, that it's not just enough that we make that noise in here. But man, would you take that with you this week where you're going? Would you take it to your work? Would you take it home with you? Don't leave it here with you and lose it in the car ride home. Let's, let's let this resonate in our hearts. God's he's depositing something. Let's take this back on the flights later this week. Let's, let's let God ruminate. Lord, how can I be that fresh wind in someone else's life like you've been in mine? How can I be a noisemaker? My, my life's going to make some chatter. It's going gonna, it's gonna to leave some residuals in the sound waves of the earth. Can it be a little taste of heaven for everybody that's here? That's what I want to dedicate myself to, God, that those aren't yet hearing and tasting of you, the Lord, that they would through me. And so if you would join me, I'm going I'm to ask that you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment because we're getting ready to take communion today on Mission Sunday because I believe that when we thank the Lord for who he is, we declare that we are, we are in it and with him to declare it to the nations. 
And God, we're recognizing that you've been involved in it all, the good and the bad, the positive and the negative, Lord, that you're transforming us to look like you. But there may be someone in this room that you've not been able to give thanks to him for the first time because you just need salvation. You need to get that starting point of, God, I gotta start over. I need to know you for the first time. I need to give my life to you. Lord, I need your forgiveness now. I need it. Lord, I, I wanna be thankful for the good and the bad, but, but I'm not even sure where to start because I haven't started that journey with you yet. If that's where you're at, I wanna pray with you. Would you just say this with me? Say, dear God, I thank you for your love for me, that Lord, you would send yourself to earth, that you would gladly lay down your life for me. And today, God, I believe there's folks in here that are receiving forgiveness because of the sacrifice you made. And we can give thanks for all eternity for the change that you're doing in their lives. And most importantly, that you're gonna have a relationship, a relationship with them. They're gonna know you. They're gonna find what they were created for. And they're gonna fulfill that purpose. God, we thank you for that in this place. I believe there's others that are here this morning and it's been so easy to focus on the not enoughs. And the Lord's wanting to transition perspective, give you a new paradigm of thinking so that you can give that long list of acknowledging his work, bringing him what he has registered for, what he has asked for, thanksgiving, gratitude. So Lord, I just pray for us this week. I've asked God that you would allow us to walk out of this place and that the noise that we make it is pointing back to what you have done. That even in those tough moments, Lord, you do not leave us in the valley of the shadow of death. You walk with us. That's the kind of shepherd you are. God, let this be a taste to those on the outside of, man, that's the hope I need. That's what I've been looking for. The peace that I've been longing for. God, would you use us? Let it settle in our hearts. Let us flesh this out. Let us just internalize that this week. And God, would you continue to build on this in our lives? We sure do love you. Amen. Amen. In this moment, I'm just going to serve you guys the juice and the bread. And I'll have you come from front to back. You can come and you can grab a, a wafer. You can dip it in the juice and then take it back to your seat. And then I will lead us together um, in the Lord's Supper. We're going to just acknowledge Thanksgiving today. This is for those that have chosen to follow the Lord, that are believers. There's no shame. If you don't feel comfortable doing this here today, I totally understand. We hope that you will be joining us in fellowshipping and thanking him in the future if that's the case. But right now I'm going to offer this as he continues to play. We'll start with the front rows. You can come up and I'll just serve you. This is my body. This is my blood. This is my body broken for you. My blood shed for you. For you, Meshach, this is my body, Christ says. This is my blood. We thank him for it. This is my body, Josh. This is Christ's blood. This is my body. This is my blood. My body broken for you. My blood shed for you. Amen. My body broken for you. My blood shed for you. Thank you, Lord. My body broken, my blood shed. My body broken, my blood shed. 
This is my body. This is my blood. We thank you, God. Thank you for what you have done for us. My body broken for you, my blood shed for you. My body broken, my blood shed. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. You make all things new. If anyone else wants to come, I'll serve you. My body broken, my blood shed. My body broken, my blood shed. My body broken for you, my blood shed for you. My body broken for you, my blood shed for you. My body broken for you, my blood shed for you. My body broken for you, my blood shed for you. Jesus would say, this is my body. This is my blood. Thank you, God, as we remember what you have done. This is my body. This is my blood. This is my body. This is my blood. Thank you, Father, for what you have given so freely, Jesus, that you would lay it down, that you would sacrifice. This is my body. This is my blood. was not under compulsion that you would give your body, that you would give your blood. Set this in the back for anyone else that wants to partake. Ushers, if you'll help me after we're done, we'll just set that somewhere so it doesn't get spilled. I need one myself. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was gathered with his disciples And they're having that Seder meal, that Passover meal together. And he looks at them and he redefines what those things were representing because it was wrapped up in him. All the scripture, he would tell the Pharisees, you've been studying them so that you would find eternal life, but you've missed it. It's in me. They're all testifying of me, he would say in John 5. And he tells his disciples that night, he would say, this bread that I am breaking with you is my body broken for you. As often as you gather, would you do this in remembrance of me? And then he would take the cups and he would pass them around. And at one point he acknowledged that this cup, this cup is the blood of the covenant, the promises, the one that would bring atonement for forever, that wouldn't have to be re-sacrificed. This is my blood shed for you. Today we do this, Lord in remembrance of you. Would you partake with me and remember in thanksgiving? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you that in the most bitter of moments for your son, you give us opportunity for thanksgiving. You've shown us that in bitterness, there is a production of sweet, saving salvation. And Lord, we just thank you that even in the bitterness of our life, you are bringing all things to light that they can be made new, that you are a God who redeems. So God, today we give thanksgiving. We give thanksgiving for what you have done for us. Thank you for your body. Thank you for the blood of your son. Thank you, God. We worship you. Amen. Amen. I believe the Lord has really challenged us today. I believe we've got something to walk out and have a new perspective on. I believe that as we do this, you will be an aroma that will taste and smell good, right? You will be the aroma of Christ. 
And I believe the world is looking for that. Amen.